Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to another episode of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. You know, Today's episode is, as always, a great one. As I said, it's me, your boy, Josh McKinney, fresh off of a loss at the Fuji World Pro. I thought I would mention that uh, I did not win at the Fuji World Pro as I had hoped I would. You know, we talked about the lead up to it a few times on the podcast. And so I didn't want to leave you guys hanging that are not on my email list. Uh, if you guys want to get more information on how the match went and uh, what mistakes I thought I made, things I could do better, be sure to sign up for my email list. Uh, you can sign up at simplifyingjujutsu.com and I will send you, all you have to do is click on the free ebook, Simplifying Jujutsu, and I will send you my free ebook where we go over the essential positions of Brazilian Jujutsu, the five essential positions that 90% of jujitsu take place in and how to train them. Also, of course, there are some fun stories uh, and reasons that I wrote that ebook. Uh, there's also an audio version of the ebook that you can check out too, but either way, it will sign you up, get you on the email list, and you will just get more information uh, on what we're doing at simplifyingjujitsu.com and on the podcast and on everything. Uh, it's just a fun way to be able to communicate. It's a much easier way to be able to communicate because you don't have to record an entire episode or something like that. That being said, special thanks to producer Logan Wayne for producing this episode. Uh, in more ways than one, he actually lined up this guest and edited the audio for me. Uh, I had people tell me that the audio on the Eric Hebner Hebner, if you listen to that episode, uh, the last episode that we did, that the audio was subpar. The audio was like a blue belt in an only self-defense blue belt that only does nogi and does Japanese jujitsu. Uh, not a good, not good sound quality. Logan was actually one of the people that told me that. And uh, he offered his wisdom when it comes to sound editing so if you guys notice a difference be sure to send logan wayne a message and tell him thank you for saving your ears uh and also just another note on that episode i got more feedback on that episode than any episode that we have ever done i would say by far uh it was amazing how many people commented on that episode how many people loved the mindset of eric uh, it, it's cool because my next guest who i will get to in just a second has a similar mindset, has a really cool mindset. And I think you guys are going to like that. Uh, but the interesting thing was all the feedback I got. So just know if you guys ever want to give me any feedback on the podcast, whether it is positive that you love the guests or whether it is that you think that the sound is bad or something like that, I read those things. I respond to them. Uh, whether it's that you hate the way I say jujitsu, I have a speech impediment. I'm working on it. Okay. I'm trying my best, but uh, I actually had somebody, this is a side note. This is funny somebody at a tournament last week at the tournament that I fought on. Um, he said, Hey man, I have a question. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's up? And you know, started it out. He gave me a compliment sandwich. You know, he started it out with a compliment. Oh, I love the show. I love your, 
your email list and everything. And then he said, uh, why do you say jujitsu like that? And I go, dude, I have a speech impediment. I'm trying, I try to say it. I try to say it. I, I try to say jujitsu. But sometimes when I'm talking fast, it just comes out jujitsu. I don't know why. It just does. And uh, he laughed and he's like, I, I really thought that it was some type of this is the proper way to say it type thing. He's like, I thought that you had some reason behind it. So that was kind of funny that uh, that, that happened to me. That was just a side note, random side note. Uh, but back onto the main point, my next guest is Sam Rivera. Like I said, Logan Wayne produced this episode in more ways than one. He not only edited the sound, he actually lined up uh, Sam. Uh, Sam is a, I, I will say a filmmaker, right? But he is a lot more than that. You may be unfamiliar with his name, but familiar with some of his work because a lot of his work really spreads uh, very widely in the jujitsu community because he makes these mini documentaries on a lot of jujitsu guys. And uh, some of them, and it was funny, even talking to him off camera, he was, or off recording, we were still on camera, but. Uh, uh, not recording. He had some really cool things where we were talking about who he's gotten to work with. And, and I got to hear some of those fun stories too, that you guys will get to hear too on the episode. But without further ado, let's get on to overcoming and my new friend, Sam Rivera. You guys are going to love this one. Here it is. All right, we're rolling. Sam, how are you doing, man? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on, man. Uh, I, I'm excited. My, well, I guess our mutual friend, Logan Wayne, who's been on the podcast, is one of my brown belts, uh, introduced me to your YouTube channel. I think, I want to say before he introduced me to you, said, hey, you've got to check this out. Uh, he really posts some cool motivational type stuff. And uh, uh, just the production level is uh, I think as he put it insane. And then, um, so I checked it out, really loved it and, uh, worked out with you when to get you on the show. So I'm happy that you're on, man. I'm really happy that Thanks. you're here. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. So, uh, I just wanted to start out because I didn't know this. I couldn't really find this, um, in research or anything like that. So I just thought it'd be a really simple place to start, but what got you into jujitsu? Um, what got me into jujitsu, um, really was because I wanted to, well, let me back up a little bit. I started off doing Muay Thai and as a kid, I always wanted to be involved with, with martial arts. So, um, when, a, at the time that I started, which was like nine, 10 years ago, there weren't really many jujitsu schools around like there are now. So I remember I was on a highway and I was driving past, um, the school and it said Gracie jujitsu. And I'm like, whoa. Like I got to go, I got to go in there. So that's really what, what started, but I didn't like jujitsu when, when I first started, I, I saw these guys rolling on the mats and I'm like, this looks boring. Like it, it, it had, you know, I, 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 so I started doing Muay Thai and um, at the time I was not working. I was working like a nine to five, but I, and I had gotten laid off and uh, my schedule only allowed for me at the time just to do Muay Thai. And then when I finally got a job, um, the way that my schedule worked at my new nine to five, it didn't allow me to um, to train Muay Thai anymore. So I said, well, I, I guess I'll try this jujitsu thing, even mm -hmm. though I think I think it looks boring. And to make a long story short, I ended up loving it. I, I, I ended up loving it so much that I completely abandoned the whole Muay Thai thing. And um, 
and that's really how I started my journey in, in jujitsu. Um, I did have like aspirations to become like an MMA fighter. I had these like crazy ideas like, oh, I can, you know, eventually get in the cage and all that. But I quickly learned that like, look, I'm a, what I'm able to do to people right on the mat and what they've been able to do to me is like, it's only a, a small sampling of what will happen to me if I really enter that cage. So, oh yeah, I, I yeah. completely abandoned that idea. <laughs> and getting punched in the face, it can't be fun. You know, nah, you, you know, I, I was at a school, the school, the first school that I started at was called AMA Fight Club. And this is where like MMA fighters like uh, Charlie Brenneman, um, Jim Miller trained at. And I was actually able to spar with some of these guys. Uh-huh. And the way that they would tune me up, I'm like, Christ, like, and they're not even trying to like win anything here. This is just like practicing. Oh, and my gosh. I said, Oof. Yeah, this isn't for me, man. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's, it's brutal. They would give you a beating. You know, mm-hmm. and so. if it, yeah, if you go into a gym, you're new and you're doing jujitsu, you will get uh, a black belt that starts beating you up, and it's like fun. You know what I mean? It's like it's not rough. It's like oh, this is this is so much fun. Everything I do, everywhere I move, I lose. That's hilarious. Yeah, but it's, when you're getting hit, you don't get that same feeling. It doesn't uh, feel great. No, it feels helpless. But even like when you start off as a white belt, I'm sure you remember you go with like even a high rank, you know, high ranked white belt, you know, even a low level blue belt. I'm like, I'm helpless. Like I, I stand no chance against this guy. So, um, yeah, I forget what point I was going to try to get to him with that, but yeah, it's crazy. It's like, that's what really made me realize that, you know what, maybe MMA is not, is not for me. I, I completely understand. I, I realized it through watching my friends when we were training because we were all doing jujitsu and we all wanted to be we were all going to be ufc champions in different weight classes you know and uh as like i watched some of them do the you know we had a um there was a lot of really good fighters actually charlie brenneman trained at uh the hit squad when i was there for a period of time um but uh you know all these good mma fighters and some of my friends would go in and i would watch them just get like kicked in the face and stuff and i was like man that you know, like, it, I, I wonder if that's bad for you, you know, and that was really at the time that a lot of the CTE stuff was coming out. And then um, my dad had always trained with me. And he was really it was I was very fortunate to have that voice in my ear saying like, hey, you know what you should protect is your brain, you know, and so uh, that was really for me, that was important to not that I didn't try to go on to that MMA path and, uh, you know, damage the moneymaker, if you will. Yeah, for me, the 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 where I said, that's it. I don't want to become an MMA fighter was it's run around. I was like a blue belt and I was getting pretty, I was getting pretty good, or at least I thought. And, um, after a pro class, uh, this, this guy, uh, Brian McLaughlin, he's actually one of my clients now. And, and he used to be on the ultimate fighter, um, years ago, he came in like after a pro training class, like we're, you know, it's open mat in a jujitsu class. They had like two mats and he comes on over and he looks at me. He's like, Hey, you want, you want to roll or whatever? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to show this guy. And uh, oh my God, was it like a humbling? I left that round. I mean, he, he was tapping me like every 30 seconds, like without an exaggeration, like in a five minute round. I'm like, this is brutal. Like, I definitely don't want to be fighting one of these. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so, um, you know, you, you had kind of just brought up there that, uh, you know, he's one of your clients. So if you could give a, I guess a rundown if people are not familiar with you, if they don't follow your YouTube or your Instagram um, and, and see some of your videos, kind of how would you explain what you do? 
So uh, what I do is really, um, I help clients, right, uh, from, from a professional level. Um, so what I do is two separate things. I, I have my personal brand and then I have my, my client base. And my client base um, sort of mirrors what my personal brand is, and that's in helping them achieve their goals. And that's what my personal brand is about. It's about helping you take your life to the next level. How do you over, overcome adversity? How do you, you know, get over that hurdle in life that you might be going through? Because we're all going through something in life. And um, so that's sort of a rundown of like what my personal brand and, and client base is about. It's like, how do we help you achieve your goals, whether it's in business or it's in your personal life? And so uh, what was kind of the start of your of your company slash personal brand? What kind of brought that about? Yeah, that's a good question. So what brought that about was just um, I always enjoyed like whipping out, you know, I had like this little compact camera. I should have I should have brought it here. But, um, you know, I, I just liked filming, filming my family and I would make like these little videos or whatever. I never showed it to anybody. And um, it was just for just for fun. And I said, you know what, let me try and interview my jujitsu coach. Um, and so I, I filmed him and it sort of went viral, not viral, but like it, it went like the, you know, the word spread out about it um, within like locally here, like all the, all the students were like, man, that's really good. And I said, okay, well, let me try and do another coach and do another coach. And um, the videos were, you know, they were gaining like popularity around, you know, the people around my, in my circle. And, um, and then finally, the one that really went wild was the one I did on Brian McLaughlin. And um, a lot of views, at least a lot of views for me at the time, I ended up getting like over a 1000 views, I don't know what it's at now. And, um, and at, at the end of every um, video, I, or every interview I would do, I would, I would ask, the, you know, whoever I was interviewing that coach, and I would say, hey, who do you, who would you like me to, who would you like me to do next? Who would you be interested in, in hearing their story? And um, he was actually, hey, he, he actually said to me, he goes, hey, I'd, I'd like to, I, you know, have you interview my coaches. And um, I said, okay. I said, um, I said, you know, who, I asked him, he goes, and I'll pay you. And I said, I said, you want to pay me for this? Like when I first started, I didn't do this for any money. I, I just did it because I enjoyed hearing the stories about, about these coaches and what they went through in their lives and how they overcame adversity. And um, because it was actually like helping me in, in my own life, it was helping me realize like, Hey, Hey, you know, these guys are black belts. These guys have, you know um, you know, achieved a lot and they've achieved what I want to achieve. And they all have a common thing, right? They all have gone through something and somehow they overcame it. And that's really what got me and start, you know, got me started with, with filmmaking for, for my personal brand. Again, I, I didn't start it because I had intentions of turning this into a business. But when Brian said, Hey, I'd like for, I'd like to pay you to do my coaches. I said, shit, maybe, maybe I can turn this into something. Mm -hmm. That's, that's sort of the origins of it. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Anytime you turn your uh, art or your passion, you know, anybody who is a jujitsu coach understands this, you know, anytime you turn what you enjoy doing, and you probably have some knack for doing, uh, it's this, it's this beauty when you turn that into a, a way to provide for yourself and your family. And so yeah. you look at, uh, you know, jujitsu, a lot of people think it's intentional, like, oh, man, you wanted to be a jujitsu coach. Um, but the truth is it's not always like that because like 
I did jujitsu because I was fat. I just didn't want to be fat. Right. Yeah. I just want technically my mom just didn't want me to be fat. She made me go to jujitsu, but, uh, I, you know, I did jujitsu. And then as I, as I did it more and I got around people that, um, that had turned it into a profession and, uh, I started to find more passion. That's when you start to find, wait a second, this could be, this could be it for me. This could be the thing for me. And it sounds like for you, that's what it, what took place is that um is your uh, production company slash personal brand is that your primary source of income so right now it is i just st- took this to a full-time career um at the end of june so so yes yeah, so i went from like you know doing just doing what i love to now you know now i help local businesses and some you know some big clients like create videos so it's, it's pretty it's been uh, it's pretty awesome Congratulations, man. That's a really cool, that was so, uh, I think maybe like a year and a half ago, uh, maybe even longer, maybe two years ago now was when I fully went to teaching jujitsu. And that was, I remember waking up, so I used to be a personal trainer. I remember waking up on a day that I would go to do personal training and like, drinking a cup of coffee and just sitting and it wasn't a holiday. It wasn't anything. It was just a day that I didn't have to get up at four in the morning and go do personal training. And it was this like, Whoa. I mean, I'm not, I haven't made it. I haven't made it to where I want to be, but like this goal, this feeling of this is now what I do period. It's not, Oh yeah. I teach jujitsu, but really I make no money from it. And I have to be a personal trainer full-time on the side. Uh, you know, it's not like that anymore. It's like, I teach jujitsu that is, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that that feeling happened for you. Am I correct when you got to that? Yeah, man. Like I was working a nine to five and like at night. So, you know, before this, I was waking up at four 30 in the morning. I was doing, I was working on my client projects because I was getting, you know, work, before I quit my nine to five or I stopped working my nine to five. And um, yeah, like I'd wake up at four 30 morning. I grind until, you know, six or seven o'clock in the morning doing my edits. And then I'd go to my nine to five and then I'd come home, spend some time with my family and then repeat that cycle. And on weekends I'd be filming or I'd take days off. Like it was, it was a grind, you know, having to create these videos for, for my clients and even just for my personal brand to put these, you know, to put these videos out that I've done for like, you know, guys like Jocko or Joe, you know, Joe Rogan and, you know, a few other people, Teddy Atlas is another one. Um, it was a grind, man. And so when I didn't have to do that anymore and just be able to like get up like a normal human, it's nice. It's nice because I'm able to do what I love still. And I don't have to feel like I'm sacrificing my, my sleep, you know, running on, Go ahead. I, I was just going to, uh, just to dig in more to that. W- was there fear for you when you were making that final transition, when you were like going fully into, um, you know, into your production company, your personal brand and nothing else? Was there fear um, in that, at that point? There still is. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like, yeah, Cause you know, you don't know. It's not like a paycheck where you're like, Hey, you know what? I can get every Friday. I'm going to get paid, right? I can guarantee this money. Like there's times where, you know, things are like a desert and there are other times where like, you know, you're, you're you know, you're reaping the harvest. Like you're a so king, it, you're balling out. Yeah. You're uh-huh. like, Oh man, this is great. And then you get nothing for, for weeks. You're like, Oh man, what am I going to do? You know? 
Uh-huh. So yeah, I still have that fear. I still have that fear that, hey, I might have to go to back to my nine to five. What am I going to do if things really dry up? But, you know, I think life has a way of of uh, making you stay in the path that I think it needs you to go in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, the reason I was able to, you know, get to this point because I just kept on pursuing what I, what I love and, and life found, kept on throwing me opportunities. I never in a million years thought that I'd be able to like, when I first started in 2015 filmmaking and doing these videos on, on local coaches, I never thought that I'd be getting the attention of, let's call them major, you know, major influencers, at least in, in our, in our world, right? I think anybody in the jiu-jitsu community knows the name Joe Rogan or mm-hmm. a percentage of them. Knows. I would say anybody in any community at this point knows the name yeah, Joe Rogan. Yeah, you know? you're right. Yeah. I mean, he's getting the attention of guys like, you know, Matthew McConaughey and, you know, big, big celebrities. You know, Bernie Sanders is on there. You know, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> it really so. is. It's it's really, it is really crazy to, to see that. So um, I want to actually go into that in a little bit. I have a few questions on that and you had actually touched on it too. Um, but while we're still here and we're still kind of digging into um, kind of turning your passion into a career, something we talk about on the show a lot, because like I said, we have jujitsu coaches on all the time. Uh, we have people that have done this. Um, you know, we have YouTubers, we have people that have, you know, turned their passion into their full-time job or their full-time, I wouldn't even say job, full-time source of income. Uh, okay. so I would ask you this, would you have any advice, uh, for someone, whether it was film, whether it was jujitsu, whether it was just something they find in art, they find a passion and they think that one day it could be what provides for them. Would you have any advice for someone in that situation, like in the early stages? Yeah, I would just say, um, keep on pursuing, you know, what, what your passion is and do it for, you know, I, I started, I learned really quickly, like the reason, um, I enjoyed these video creating these videos so, so much was because Yes, they were helping me in, the, in this storytelling, but it was also helping others around, you know, around that I knew. And I started reaching people that I, you know, literally across the globe, right, that I would have never met in a million years. So the reason I started was because, again, I started doing it um, because I wanted to help myself and of helping other people. And that became my passion. So my point here is if do it, the advice I would give to somebody was, would be, do it because it's going to help others, right? Yes, it's going to help you. It's going to it's going to take you know you out of that nine to five that you hate you know going to every single day. But at the end of the day, it's like how can how can my work help somebody else? Whether it's art, whether it's carpentry, like how do you you know uh, motivate others with your with your work? And I think when you do that, your your message, your work starts to spread like wildfire. You know, I, I work with some clients where like they're all about them and i constantly tell them like hey once you start putting content out there it doesn't matter if you're a, a contractor it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you're doing once you start putting information out there or content out there that's going to help others people are going to want to see your work people are and that's how i generate how i feel like you can grow your brand man so, that's that's super good that is something that people don't yeah most people don't understand that is that when you are trying to uh when you're trying to accomplish anything, the way that you treat people, the way that you, uh, you know, can help people is really, really important for that next step. You know what I mean? You get, 
you build, and this is actually kind of where we're, I was going to transition to uh, next is um, you had said, you know, when you were starting that you had, you would ask that coach that you interviewed, who would you want to coach next, or who would you, who, who would I want, should I interview next? Right. And what that would do, um, you know, it's cool because you get the idea, but then it's also a really cool thing. I actually do this on the podcast uh, after I get done on most of my shows. Uh, I say, hey, is there anybody who you think would be good on the podcast? Because it creates this avenue where I say, I send a message to somebody and I say, hey, my buddy Sam said that you would be good on my podcast. And so it creates that connection to them. Like, oh, I like Sam. You know, so, you know, if Sam trusts this guy, I can be on his podcast. And so you, uh, you did that with your production company. And so that's kind of um, where I wanted to start to just push towards is, you know, you have some really cool, as we would call them gets, you know, like uh, you've gotten some really cool names that you've gotten to work with. Uh, and so I just wanted to kind of dig into that. So like, let's take, for instance, um, let's just start with like Teddy Atlas. How did that come about? How were you able to, uh, you know, create content with Teddy Atlas? So um, he's actually uh, become a really good friend of mine now. And um, so the way that that relationship started was he was on Joe Rogan's podcast and he was talking about. um, So for, for those that don't know who he is, he used to be, he used to be a ESPN commentator. He was uh, most famously known for being Mike Tyson's uh, coach, boxing Mm -hmm. coach. And he was talking about Mike Tyson how he feels that he's really 0-5 in his, in his career. But the way that he was talking about Mike Tyson's life and um, how you're not tested in life until you are truly tested um, really spoke to me. I'm like, man, that's a powerful way. Of, like he has a way of, of using his words that, I, I, that many don't have the mm-hmm. ability to do. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take that, what he just said in that podcast, and I'm going to turn that, in, turn that into, into a video. And man, did it spread. Like I try to take a lot of what he was saying when he was mentioning Mike specifically, because it wasn't about Mike Tyson. It was about the message that he was trying to say, which was, again, you're not tested in life until you are truly tested. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, if it's your girlfriend, your friend, if you're a doctor, if you're an attorney, you're not tested until you go through some sort of struggle. And that really spoke to me. And again, so going back, I turned that into, into a video and it got, it went pretty viral. I ended up getting like at the time, I think it got up to like 30 or 40,000 views. And um, his team ended up reaching out to me and said, hey, like, we, you know, do you mind if we share that that video? And I said, yeah. <laughs> sure. Like, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. So they shared the video and um, they asked, they they said, hey, would you be interested in doing something like another one like that for our, for our podcast? So I did another one for them. And then, you know, shortly after they invited me to the podcast studio and I, I went up to the, you know, to the studio in New York City, met Teddy, met Ken and met Rob. Um, he's uh, his, his PR guy. And um, that's how the relationship started with those guys. Like it literally just started from me saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to do this video because I think it's I think it'll help me and I help a lot of people. And it turned, it went from that to now I'm exclusively his videographer. And I, and I, anything that you've recently seen for him on, on his uh, YouTube channel was, was me filming it. 
And that is super, super, uh, there's just a lot to dig in into that story. Back to what we were just saying a second ago. You did not send Teddy Atlas a cold message on Instagram saying, hey, I'm a videographer. Can I, can I shoot you? No, you didn't. Yeah. You yeah. went out and you provided, you know, your goal was to provide value for other people, but you also provided a lot of value to someone like him who is still in a brand building, you know, that's what he's doing. He's yeah. building that Teddy Atlas brand and you provide this uh, kind of unique thing, you know, this uh, thing for free, you just provided it in that yeah. brought them to reach out to you instead of being the other way around, you know? And so that was really, that's really, really interesting that that happened that way. Well, let, let's be honest here. Like I create those videos. Yes. To, you know, to, at the end of the day, it's, it's sort of like, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth because I do realize that the power that those videos have, right? Because a lot of those videos that I create for free are my marketing tools. Of course. Right. They are how I get the attention of people like Teddy Atlas. Now I go, I create them because um, when, when I hear their message, it's like one of my rules is that I, I have to, if I'm going to create a video, it has to touch me in some way. It's got to give me some sort of feeling. Otherwise I don't, I don't bother with it. And, um, but at the same time, I know that, Hey, you know, what? a lot of people can potentially see this. And, um, I use that as like a, as a marketing tool to put my work out there. Would Teddy have otherwise seen my work if I didn't create that? Probably not. If I would have direct messaged him and said, Hey, I'm a videographer right around the corner from you. Would he have seen, you know, would he have, you know, said, yes, let's do something. Probably, probably not. But when I create something like that, that he was also equally passionate about, and he sees that, he's like, well, okay, we, you know, we've got to talk to this guy, right? <laughs> so um, it works out for both of us sometimes. And that is, and that is, of course, that is, um, you know, every business should be um, beneficial for both parties, right? That's, that is my, I teach jujitsu, but not for free, but I teach jujitsu knowing that what I am giving, what I'm providing is worth every penny but in more than that you know and yeah. uh, and i you know when you look at that because people think that it has to be you know oh if you're providing something for free you know i'm providing this podcast for free you know that that means that you know i am um feeding the hungry or something like that it is not obviously my intentions with this podcast and this if this offends you guys while listening cover your ears is to eventually make money from my podcast you know, is to eventually build my brand, um, and, uh, you know, and, you know, eventually do that. But right now, all I can do on my podcast is help the people that listen. Right. And so that's why I bring on people like you, people that have, uh, done really interesting things and, uh, maybe it can be beneficial for these people. And so that is, uh, you know, when you're doing that, when you're, providing this free stuff of course you have some goal like man it would be awesome if teddy atlas <laughs> messaged yeah. me but and usually those things like you think that and you're like but it wouldn't happen i mean there's there's no way there's no way it would happen yeah and if you go in with like expectations like I, I try and do every video with zero expectations like my most recent video like that i did was on charlie chaplin well i know that charlie chaplin's never going to contact me right <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's long gone. So <laughs> that I, would be I, crazy if he did. If he contacts you, I need you. I need. I need you on the podcast again immediately. We got to talk about that. 
Well, Charlie Chaplin's long gone, dude. Do you know who he is or no? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, like, well, he'd have to contact me from another realm. So yeah. if I'm hearing Charlie Chaplin talk to me, all right, I, there's like- That's what I mean. If you, yeah, if you get Charlie <laughs> Chaplin, we're, you're get, jumping on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, like, you know, that video um, specifically, like, again, it was one of those where it spoke to me. And I, I obviously had zero intentions of him ever seeing it because- He's no longer with us. Yeah. But, um, you know, going back to what you were saying about, you know, there's got to be a, an EVE exchange of value. Yes. Like your students are paying you or even this podcast, like nobody's, you know, you're not monetizing it yet. But in order to take it to the next level, it's got to get monetized, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you could start it off by, by um, you know, producing it out of your own pocket, right? Like I see a microphone there and like, you know, these things aren't cheap, right? Like when I create a video, it costs me money, right? I'm investing my, my, and I don't ask my, you know, my audience for anything. I have a little link at the bottom on some of my videos, but I don't promote it. So if you want to send me cash, great, but I don't, it's not, it's not what I'm here for. So up until, you know, really my, my client base is what really allows me to create, continue creating these personal, you know, personal branded videos, like Mm -hmm. the money that I get from them, a percentage of that goes, goes back into the personal brand. So I can continue to provide value. Um, I haven't been able to find a way to like really monetize those videos. So I just look at them as like, Hey, you know what people see them and I use them as a, as a marketing tool to get the attention of, of other clients. So, but monetization is in itself, or marketing in itself is monetization, you know? And so that's like, uh, you know, when you market, you are turning that into your business, you know? Yeah. yeah. So on that same note, you know, we talked about like Teddy Atlas. So how do you get, how do you get in contact with the Joe Rogans or the Jockos of the world? How was, how did those come about? Um, really the same way, just creating content that, you know, you can tell when somebody's talking about something on, on a podcast that it's it's really hitting home. Like they're speaking from from their heart. And um, for whatever reason, I, I just have, a, I guess, a good ear for for listening to that kind of stuff or hearing out for that kind of stuff. So um, so that's that's what I do. Like I it's a, to answer your question, how do I get their attention it's by creating content that I think that matters to them? Does it matter to them? Does it matter to their audience? Um, the first video that that went viral with like a guy like Jocko or or Joe Rogan was a video I did for for Jocko called Pawn, and he was talking mm-hmm. about how the industrial complex, the the military industrial complex, I think it was, and how good America is and corporations, et cetera, et cetera. Now, a lot of our viewpoints have probably changed on that in um, globally, but I think, you know, he this is before he was even um, he even had his own podcast. Somebody was doing a Q and A on Tim Ferriss's podcast mm-hmm. and or I'm sorry, Jocko was doing a Q and a on Tim Ferriss's podcast. And the, the guy asked him, do you feel like you were a pawn in the military? And, you know, I think at the beginning he goes like, sort of like that. And he just answers the question. Obviously the guy was, was asking the question to almost like provoke him, I think. Yeah. And the way that he answered it, I'm like, man, like I never looked at it that way. And I said, I'm going to turn this to a video. And, and he ended up sharing it. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I couldn't believe that was the first like big guy that or big like influencer, I'm going to call him 
um, that shared one of my pieces of work. And the thing ended up getting like over a hundred thousand views, like quickly. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like maybe I'm really onto something. Cause th- th- that was actually the first video that I created that was even like that. Everything else prior was all original pieces of content where I would interview a coach and I would create my own original piece um, on, on that individual. So that was the first video that, that I did that was like that. So that's how I got their attention. I'm like, man, if I do the, if I do, if I got his attention on that, what happens if I do another one on him and another one on somebody else? And that's sort of how, how I started, you know, building my brand. That's really cool. And um, just something else you just said was that, you know, you will listen to these podcasts looking for something. Um, you know, I forget how, how you said it, that it, it, like something that they're passionate about. Right. Yeah, that touches their heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly that touches their heart. And that is one of the most important things. I mean, it, imagine how ridiculous it would be if I had you come on this podcast and we talked about something that didn't interest you, you know, and even if something that you were maybe even pretty sharp on and uh, but it wasn't it wasn't what mattered to you. And that is, uh, you know, that is just in 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 podcasting and in life when I am having a new student come in, if, you know, uh, my student is, if my new student is in a band, we're going to probably talk about music. I can assume that they are going to be passionate about that. Even if I don't know much, I'm just going to ask questions about, you know, well, tell me about this. Tell me, about, I don't, I don't know anything about that. That's super interesting. Right. And yeah. you find what matters to people. It's so easy uh, to only want to talk about what matters to you, right? It's always so easy to be like, oh yeah, I want to talk about, uh, you know, I love jujitsu, so I'm only going to talk about jujitsu to people. Um, you know, this is a jujitsu podcast. We've talked about two minutes of jujitsu, right? But we've yeah. talked about, um, you know, and we can obviously relate all of this stuff to jujitsu. It's all in the martial arts realm. It's all in the martial arts world. But imagine if like the whole time I was just like asking you questions about half guard and you're like, Josh, I don't play half guard. I can't, I can't stress this to you enough. I don't play, you know? And so you find like, what is, what is somebody's passion and uh, something that, you know, you have built your entire brand on uh, all of your, uh, you know, your everything on uh, would be the word uh, like uh, overcome. Okay. So that would be like, that is what, uh, when you look up any of your stuff, that is what you're going to see. Like, that is our goal is we're here to, you know, to overcome and help other people uh, overcome. So just digging into that, what does the word overcome mean to you? I think it means everything. Um, I think we're all constantly fighting something in life. Um, you know, just looking back at my own personal struggles, like, you know, you're always, you're always going through, through something in, in life, but knowing that there's always light at the end of the tunnel and if you constantly focus on, on, Hey, you know what? There's always going to, I'm, I'm going to get over this at some point, right? You're never going to, unless you choose to, um, to stay at the, you know, at the bottom of the hill. If you keep on putting one foot in front of the other, you're going to overcome whatever it is that you're, you're going through. Now there's certain things that are completely out of your control. And I and I understand that like, you know, like sickness, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, cancer is, you know, unfortunately out of your control in many, in many times. But if you keep on trying to put yourself, put one foot in front of the other, you know, whether it's in jujitsu or anything in life, you're going to, you're going to get through it. 
And for me, just knowing, keeping that in the back of my mind, regardless of what I'm going through in life, you know, is what helps me wake up in the morning, what helps me keep on putting that foot in front of, in front of another. Mm-hmm. That is super important to note is you can't, you, you can't always control your circumstances, but you can always control your attitude towards them, you know, and, uh, you know, having that mindset is obviously, you know, we look at it, we can look at it on a deeper meaning, but probably on a, on a shallower meaning is when you're a white belt and you keep getting tapped out, if you just keep showing up, you know, you just keep showing up, you keep getting that mat time. Eventually there's going to be a new white belt that comes in and you're six months in and you're rolling with them and you're like, Whoa, did I suck this bad? Was it like this for me when I, when I was training like this and you start to see, but the only way that that happens is if you stick to it, if you put one foot in front of the other, uh, you know, whether in jujitsu or in life. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point that like, you know, um, look in, in my, in my life, right. I, I don't know how much you know about like before I even started jujitsu before I started filmmaking, like I was, I was in a, I was in a marriage a really, really bad marriage. In fact. And, um, I walked, I had, you know, we ended up getting divorced. I ended up having to move back into, back into my parents' house. I was drowning in, in debt. Right. I couldn't control any of those circumstances. I couldn't control the divorce. I couldn't control my debt because it was just so high. All I could do was control one thing in, in life at, at the time. And I was, so let me just also add that I was, you know, 280 pounds. Now I'm walking around, you know, 170. So the only thing that I was able to control out of that chaotic time in my life was me, right? I said, you know what? I'm going to try and do what I can to at least get my, my, my body to a to a different physical state. And, um, and that's why for me, like overcoming things is just, just so important because like, Hey, I know that I couldn't control anything else, but if I, I can control myself and I can control what I put in my body, I can control what I do every day. Nobody else can, can control that. And I, you know, looking back and having, and, and having gone through all of that, like, that's why for me overcoming is, is so important because like, Hey, I, I th- those were learning lessons of like, hey, I can I can get through get through things. If if I can lose a hundred pounds, what if I applied that same um, work ethic to other things in, in life? So that is a that is a beautiful that thing. That's something I always uh, talk about on the podcast uh, and I talk about to my students um, in the in the mindset of jujitsu, but then relate it to life. And I'm going backwards, right? We're taking it from life to jujitsu, but uh, when you're in bottom side control, yeah. sometimes you are in bottom side control. Both of your arms are controlled uh, and your chest is being smashed and all you can control is your hip movement. And so then you start to move your hips and you start to move your hips and you start to move your hips and you try to get that knee back in front. Sometimes you can't even move your hips. All you can control is your breathing. That's all you get to control, but you do have control of it. And so you say, you know what? I'm going to breathe. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to take this for right now. And when there's space, I'm going to be ready to react, you know, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm not going to, I, you know, I'm going to control the thing that I can control. And that was, that's a huge thing for when people are dealing with something as stressful as a divorce, you know, and stressful as all those, uh, you know, you're, you're overweight, you're divorced, you're having to move back in with your parents. And you said, Hey, you know what? Uh, I can't control. I can't move out from my parents' house right now. 
I have too much debt. I can't do anything about my failed marriage. It's just, I can't, but I can control my weight. I can focus on um, what I can control. And so often it's so easy to say, I have 10 things bad happening. I can't, I, I'm just going to try to work on all 10 of them. And then nothing you, you keep, then you end up with 12 things, you yeah. know? And so uh, that man, that's a really uh, important thing to, to dig into. I think that's a really important thing to understand uh, uh, for people is, is to sometimes just focus on what you can control. Um, and on that note, uh, how did you lose the weight? So I started, um, this is way before I even started doing jujitsu. Um, actually when I got into jujitsu, I was already like, was pretty in, already in pretty good shape. Um, so to answer your question, I started just with like doing, um, you know, bodybuilding type of workouts, eating five meals a day, doing my cardio, doing weight training, um, and just, just applying that, that discipline, um, to, you know, to my everyday existence. That's, that's real. That's, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That is good. Have you ever, have you ever gotten your weight back up or have you been able to keep your weight off? No, I can't. I've never blown back up to, to 280, but you know, there's, um, right now I'm, I'm on another like 12 week shred again. So I'm right now I'm down to 170. So sometimes I'll fluctuate back up to like 180, 190. And I'm like, okay, I got to start pulling back, uh-huh. you know, pulling back and doing something about this. So, but no, I've never like blown back up to a 44 inch waist like that that never, never happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's funny. This, this is, uh, um, the, the contrast of guests that I have. So the last guest that I have is actually one of my Brown belts. Um, he is, uh, a really, really good ultra heavyweight competitor. And we were talking and he was talking about when he had wrestled his whole life. Um, when he left high school or when he left college, he, and he had been cutting weight all the time, his whole life he went from 170 to 270 in a year Whoa. and yeah. And he has, and he has uh, kept that 270 pretty much the whole time. So the, the contrast in guests that I had uh, was just a, a, a funny That's note. A cross paths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting one. And he feels every bit of like 400 when you roll with him too. So, you know, it makes it even worse. Yeah. <laughs> One of my, uh, one of the guys I train with, he's, you know, he's a big boy like that. And, but he moves like a 170. So mm-hmm. now you've got this weight and you've got this guy that can move fast. And it's like, when you combine the two, man, it's a freaking nightmare. And it's not fair. You shouldn't be allowed to. I mean, you you're a hundred pounds more than me. It's like, I ha- I stand no chance. You're a black belt. I'm a brown belt. Like, but even, I mean, you're just athletically better than me, even though you're overweight. <laughs> it's uh-huh. crazy. Yeah, it's it's very discouraging when somebody is bigger, faster, stronger, and has better technique than you. Yeah, there's just uh, yeah, there's nothing you know, there, there's nothing you can do. You it's just like sit there. With Godzilla, dude, it's like you got no <laughs> chance. Like, what am I gonna grab? It's that like- is, yeah, that is a, a very a very true part of jujitsu. Is sometimes um, you know, you can always look at like, oh, I made a mistake here, I made a mistake there. But sometimes you're just going to lose, you know, there's just nothing. There's no way around it. This guy's just better than you. You know, he checks every box that you don't. And yeah, uh, yeah that is a, that's a, but it's a beautiful thing. It's a part of jujitsu. It's part of getting beat up, you know, and sometimes you just don't stand a chance. Well, let's, I mean, what happens if that happened on the street, right? Like you don't get to pick your opponents, mm-hmm. right? So it's good that we were able to 
train with guys that are, you know, all over the spectrum when it comes to um, their skill level, their weight, their strength, like, because it's, it's going to give you all different types of flavors of like what you can possibly run into on, on, on the street. If God forbid you ever needed to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, yes, it's unfair, maybe from, from a competition level, but I think it's very fair for teaching you lessons in, in life. I think I totally agree. I always love it when I will have like a 135 pound guy tell me like, Hey, I'm going to compete. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And then like two weeks later, they're like, Hey, are there weight classes at jujitsu tournaments? And I'm like, you were going in to compete thinking you were going to fight like 250 pound guys. Like, yeah, I do it in the gym all the time. I didn't, I just wasn't sure. I didn't know that if it was like that, I thought you just fought everybody. <laughs> like, no, no, man, you just, you stay at 135. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I mean, they do have that, right? With the absolute. Yeah. Like, yeah. Opposite, right. But like, yeah. When you're first starting, I mean, you, you definitely don't want your first jujitsu match to be against this big dude, you know? Like, uh huh. No way. <laughs> I always, I always like will advise my students to not cut weight for their first couple turns. Like, dude, just don't even worry about it. Just show up and compete. Right. Yeah. And, but I still do ask questions like, Hey, what do you weigh? What are the weight classes? Stuff like that. Well, that like, uh, sometimes, your um the things you preach they just kind of carry over throughout your gym and so what happened was i have this new guy he's going to compete and he asked one of the guys hey um which weight class should i do and they the guy told him oh josh always says just compete at what you weigh and he's like oh okay well i would have asked him a question of what do you weigh what are the weight classes he weighs 222 and he fought at 220 and up and wow. so the two guys that he fought both had 70 plus pounds on him and he would have just had to lose two pounds to make the weight class below. And yeah, uh, yeah so um, he actually did really well. He actually won. Uh, he actually beat one of his, uh, one of the monsters that he fought. Uh, but it was a really funny thing of like, hey, uh, next time you tell somebody, oh yeah, don't cut any weight, make sure you ask them like, Hey, do you have one pound to lose that will keep you from guy fighting guys that weigh 70 pounds more than you? Because if so, maybe lose that one pound. Yeah, but you, you know, the opposite holds true too. Because like if I roll like, like um, so I used to compete around one eight, you know, 180 to 189. And when I when I would cut down to the 170s. I found that I was having a harder time with those guys than I was within my, you know, within the 180 to 189, because those 170 guys are faster. They're mm -hmm. much more technical. Whereas the guys that were in the 180 to 189, not that they weren't fast and not that they weren't technical, but I, I felt like it was more of an even playing field. So here I thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, beat these other guys up because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at the high end of their weight bracket. No, man, they were faster than me. I couldn't keep up. Mm -hmm. And there's this guy, one guy in my jiu-jitsu school where like, you know, he's, I'm probably, you know, 15, 20 pounds over than over him, but he gives me the hardest time. I can't, you know, you, so on paper, he's like, oh, Sam's 170. This guy's, you know, 145. Like Sam's going to tune him up. No, no, he tunes me up. It's the other way around. And he's a lower belt. So, <laughs> And you'll even feel guys that are smaller by 20 or 30 pounds that feel as strong or stronger just because of, usually it's because of body type. Usually um, you get a guy that's shorter and their weight is um, uh, uh, distributed differently. And you start to fight this guy. You start to go with him. You're like, oh my gosh, this guy's so strong. How come I, I, I have 20 pounds on him and he's, he's ridiculously strong, but you know, his body mechanics are just different. And yeah. 
And so that's like, for me, it, it, I, I could compete. I always compete at, uh, at medium heavy, which is 194. I could, if I focused on it, go back down to middleweight, but at black belt adult middleweight probably has 12 guys in it at the bigger tournaments that are good enough to win the world. Uh, it, it, uh, medium heavy, there's probably three guys in it that are good enough to win the world. And so it's like, man, I, it doesn't make sense to diet really hard, to lose weight, to starve myself, and then uh, go fight probably tougher guys, or at least in a more stacked division. That doesn't make any sense to me. And right. so, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I know, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Lucas Lakes used to always compete at heavyweight. And I never thought anything of it. I always thought that, you know, this guy's a heavyweight. And I watched him uh, at Worlds in 2017, and I was standing by him, and I was competing at middle. And I was like, I think I'm, I'm bigger than this guy and heavyweights 207. And wow. so I asked my buddy that trained with him and he's like, oh yeah, he weighs like 175, 180, but he competes at 207 because he plays all deep half. And he, he thinks that the guys are slower and it's easier and they want to smash more. And so he's like, he gets to play more of his game at, you know, at this, you know, in this yeah. division. And so it's kind of a unique thing that you can use being smaller as a strategy against somebody uh, on top of being bigger. Yeah. I'm a very big, like bottom half guard guy. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it, it's unbelievable. Like if you, you know, you get your one hook in like a butterfly hook and you're able to like lift a guy that's a hundred pounds, over, uh-huh. you know, like, like they're a feather. And at the end of rolls, a lot of times, like when I'm rolling with a bigger guy for the first time, they're like, dude, you're so strong. I'm like, it's all leverage. It's not yeah. even that I'm, um, strong i mean yeah i'm strong but it's not that i'm using all strength like i'm able to lift you up with no issue mm-hmm. so and i actually do better with guys like that that are much more heavier than me sometimes because like you said they, they just don't move as fast that is and that is in like you're gonna probably play to your game so it or to your size so um you know you see a lot of you know most heavyweights you don't see them standing open guard toriando passing you see them on top trying to smash and and create that pressure and if you're playing with a somebody who's good at half it uh that pressure is what they need to sweep you and what they need to get underneath you absolutely yeah so yeah. that it yeah that's something that's always uh it, it's fun like having that uh you know you you have to have different games for different people you have guys that are in the 300s and you roll with them you have to roll with them at least for me i have to roll with them completely differently than i roll with a guy that's my weight you know, right. and so, uh, and it's fun to, to have to, uh, use jujitsu for your opponent sometimes, instead of just like, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, I really like triangles. If I try a triangle on a guy that's 280, it ain't happening, no. you know, uh, we're, yeah, we're playing almost a lot on that guy, you know? Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's one of the fun things, uh, about jujitsu, but we're, we're getting to the end of the show. I always finish, uh, the show with the exact same question. Okay. So we always finish the same question. The show's name is the I suck at jujitsu show. So the idea is this, I am at, uh, you know, maybe I am just at your gym. I'm just visiting. I'm a, I'm a newer white belt. Okay. And uh, you and I partner together, asking you questions, you know, we're talking to stuff and I'm like, wait a second, you know, Jocko, you know, Joe Rogan, that's so cool. And you're, then I say, you know, Sam, uh, you know, I feel like I suck at jujitsu. Uh, how do I suck less at jujitsu? What would be your answer to that? I would say um, whether this in life, this is in life or in, in jujitsu, I think that um, 
what happens in your life is for you, right? It doesn't happen to you. So um, sometimes like on jiu- in jujitsu, things present themselves, problems present themselves because they want you to work on whatever that weakness is. So if it's in jujitsu, sometimes I'm constantly getting arm barred. I'm getting arm barred. What, what's, why is this happening to me? No, you have to ask yourself, what are you doing that's wrong that I keep on getting caught in this arm bar? Right. And that's in life as well. Like, are you constantly getting into arguments with people? Are you constantly getting into road rage situations? Are you constantly getting yourself into debt or getting yourself into weight? It's like life is trying to tell you like, hey, whatever it is that you're doing is wrong and you need to fix it. It's not that life is throwing you, you know, uh, is trying to put you down. It's that like you're doing something that you can change today. So by putting one foot in front of the other, you can do that. Man, that was an excellent answer. I know you're. I know you're a brown belt, Sam. But that was a black belt answer right there. You. Thank that you. was. Uh, yeah. I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna send an email to your coach right now and tell him. Like, let him know. Hey, he dropped a black belt answer on me. That was excellent. Thanks, man. That was excellent. And thank you for being on the show. Is there anything you want to say to finish, or uh, just give some information for people to be able to check you out, check out your work? Yeah, just check me out on Instagram. It's at um, at Samuel Rivera Films. Um, that's my handle pretty much everywhere. YouTube, Instagram. Um, if you want to ever send me a DM, I pretty much answer everybody that contacts me. So, um, reach out, let's become friends and, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's overcome things. That's awesome, man. Thank you again for being on the show. All right. Thank you for having me. And that is the episode. I hope you guys loved it. I I really enjoyed it recording it. It's always fun when I get to do an episode with someone I've never talked to before. And it was interesting because there's not a lot about him as a person. There's a ton about his uh, his production that he does. There's a ton on his YouTube channel. But there's very little about him out anywhere. And so for me, doing research to be able to ask questions was very hard. I really had to kind of hope that I could guess what this guy would be like to formulate some of the questions that I was going to ask. And hopefully I did a good job on that. Hopefully I was able to dig into what would interest you, uh, dig into the, the questions that you guys might like to know. And uh, thanks again, Sam, for being on the episode. I really think that this episode will age well. I think this episode will be like a two or three years from now thing where he's doing more huge things. He's doing bigger things than he is now. And I am like, yeah, that guy was on my podcast, you know, because that's uh, what, what do I say on the show? It's it's not about what you can do. It's about who, you know, that's all that matters. You know, that's uh, you know how I live my life is, you know, just surround yourself with really cool people. And then occasionally they'll ask you to hang out with them while they're doing cool things. That is the game plan. That's all we worry about on the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show is trying to uh, just ride the coattails of people that are cooler than us. And uh, that's all I have for you guys today. As always, if you guys enjoyed this episode, if you're watching on YouTube, give it a thumbs up and a subscribe. If you are listening anywhere, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can be aware every time we post new episodes. And uh, without further ado, I hope you guys have a great week. I hope that you guys got something out of this episode, and I hope that you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu.